This episode is sponsored by Nor Shipping, the must-attend place to be for networking, knowledge sharing, and building partnerships. And it's your arena for ocean solutions. Nor Shipping is taking place at Lillestrom and Oslo, Norway from the 6th to the 9th of June. This is Green Seas, the podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. I'm Eric Priante Martin, and today we're going to explore the stink over stink bugs and other invasive species. In general, things are going pretty well for operators of vehicle carriers. The ships that carry cars from their manufacturers across the sea to their markets have been pocketing record freight rates. Even though economic clouds have softened the car market, vessel capacity remains tight with few orders at shipyards threatening to bring new car carriers into the market. But in the first three months of this year, there was one problem, congestion at ports in Australia, caused in part by efforts to prevent a pest with an unpleasant sounding name from getting into the country. Norwegian car carrier operator Willenius Wilhelmsen, which has a major presence in the Oceania market, was particularly hard hit, although, on some measures, it was the company's third best quarter on record. Tradewinds reported that the company's shipping volumes slid 3% and revenue fell from a billion dollars in the fourth quarter of last year to 956 million in the first three months of 2023, a decline that was partly a result of efforts to keep the brown marmorated stink bug out of Australia. And it's not just insects. This is Lasse Christofferson, the company's chief executive, speaking on a webcast to discuss the results. Before moving on to the business areas, I wanted to talk about the, uh, the issue of the quarter, and that was congestion in Australia. Uh, and we have seen significant congestion in Australia, and this has been caused by, by stricter enforcement of biosecurity measures. Uh, what you see on this picture is, a, uh, on the picture to the right, you see a small seed and um, the 10% of the Australian economy and growing is agriculture. They are protecting that as good as they can. And they, that's why they are, we have for a long time done fumigation of, of stink bugs, uh, basically small uh, animals. But now also they're focusing in on the seeds. And cars are coming in with seeds. They should have been cleaned before they came on board our vessels. Willenius Wilhelmsen was not alone. The car carrier business has been gummed up by these biosecurity measures in the Pacific as vehicles wait to be rid of pests that Australia is aiming to keep out of its borders. One of those is that brown marmorated stink bug. While not damaging to human health, the insects pose a danger to agriculture as they consume crops. So far, Australia has kept this invasive species from getting a foothold, and the federal government wants to keep it that way. And just as the bugs hitch a ride on vehicles, particularly between September and April, so do invasive seeds, which also are a target of biosecurity measures to protect agriculture each year in Australia. But the result? Delays for car carrier operators. This is Andreas Enger, chief executive of Hogue Autoliners, responding to a question during his company's recent first quarter earnings webcast. There are two things that stands out in terms of inefficiencies. One is that Australia, Oceania, which is one of our largest trades, has been, uh, I must say, quite awful uh, during the quarter. I also went down there myself to sort of try to see what we can do about it, but it is, it is a huge challenge. We are, uh, you know, we are waiting more than a week per port call uh, in Australia. 
So, so that is uh, that is a, a a a big challenge that is impacting us and our customers in uh, in ways that we are struggling with finding good solutions to. I think on the, on the other hand, you can say that in the rest of the world, actually, waiting time has improved. So, so the total picture is, but so it's it's it's, it's now much more focused on 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 trades, but it does impact. It means that given that a large part of our trades have returned trades to Australia. It means that we have substantially longer voyages and that impacts also, you know, our capacity out of, out of Asia because of the delays. It is a big problem. It's partially uh, driven by uh, bugs and seeds and things that are also to some extent seasonal. So, so we can hope that it will ease a little bit in the summer season. Christofferson also traveled to Australia to witness the problems for himself. He said cleaning vehicles to make sure they do not carry invasive species to Australia is the responsibility of the manufacturers in the countries that export the cars. But that was not happening. So the company set up a cleaning operation at the Australian port of Melbourne. Christofferson shared photos of it with shareholders and analysts during the earnings webcast. And you can see we have had recruited a lot of people now standing with the torch and the stick. The stick is the one in the middle, very high tech, wooden stick with a double sided tape at the end picking every single seed on these cars. And this is why suddenly there was a big backlog of, uh, of uh, vessels in congested and a big backlog of cars that was not cleared for the market. When I was there in, I think in March, uh, we had a backlog of 7,000 cars just sitting there waiting to be cleaned. Now that is down to around 1,000. So in our view, the Oceania issue is now under control. Uh, the congestion is significantly lower. And we believe the situation should be normalized by the summer. And we already see that uh, the impact on our business is far less uh, in the second quarter than in the first quarter. But why is Australia trying so hard to keep the likes of stink bugs and seeds from entering its borders at the risk of snarling vessel traffic at its ports? That question led me to Corey Bradshaw, a professor of global ecology at Flinders University in Adelaide. In 2021, he calculated that invasive species cost the Australian economy $25 billion per year. That includes the cost of direct damage, like rats eating grain in silos, or the cost of biosecurity. And then there's the cost of culling invasive species, like weed eradication, or a project that Bradshaw is involved in to shoot deer from helicopters. And while invasive species are a problem around the world, Australia has special challenges. For one, it's an island continent, so it has plants and animals that evolved on their own without developing defenses from, for example, predators like cats. When cats were brought here, domestic cats, they quickly became feral. We have probably upwards of 25 million cats that are spread right through Australia from, you know, very cold temperate Australia right up to uh, the tropics. They cause immense damage here, much more than elsewhere, because none of our species evolved with a cat-like predator. Cats evolved somewhere in South Asia about 30 million years ago, and they've spread. And, you know, we've got lions in Africa and tigers in India, and we've got some panthers in South America and North America. So the, all the species evolved with those predators. When cats came here, they didn't have the evolutionary toolkit to deal with cats, so they get really nailed. Um, so that that's 
typical of a lot of Australia. We're quite susceptible to these, what we call invasive alien species, because they once they get a foothold, then they can really take off and exploit the system that doesn't have, as I said, the evolutionary toolkit to deal with them. And Australia is far away from pretty much everywhere else, so it's connected to the rest of the world by shipping. Distance means that there's a lot of opportunity for species to hitch a ride and get to Australia from pretty much anywhere. And usually it's the hardiest species that survive those journeys. So by the, you know we're, we're selecting for the most invasive kinds of species just by virtue of the fact that we're far away. And then there's Australia's history of failures with plants and animals that are either invasive or were introduced. Take the cane toads. They were brought to Australia to deal with a problem of cane beetles, but the toads couldn't jump to get to the beetles. They didn't eat them, but they caused other damage instead. We're quite sensitive to what an invasive species can do because it's really in our face. We see the cat damage, foxes, European foxes, another one. Um, we've got the cane toads. We've got a series of, of really noxious weeds. And so we, we have seen the damage firsthand up front in our face. And because we're, we're a you know, high-income nation, we also have the resources to be able to assess the damage. Knowledge of what the damage actually is and assessing it is kind of like ammunition in your bag for dealing with in the future. So we've we've got a couple of the all of these things put together. Australia is very very keen on biosecurity. <laughs> as a result, <laughs> we don't have things like foot and mouth in our cattle. We don't have rabies in Australia. You know, so we're very keen to keep those kind of things out because we know what the kind of damage they can inflict is and what it will cost us. But is putting so much emphasis on biosecurity worth the economic costs of, for example, delaying cargoes? Crunching large amounts of data on invasive species is one of Bradshaw's specialties. He has been involved in a collaboration with researchers around the world who built a database called InvaCost, which tracks the costs of invasive species. The group has been looking at whether management of invasive species pays off in the long run. As it turns out, in, in wealthier nations like Australia, that it, high investment in management actually reduces our long-term costs quite substantially. So we see the ratio of uh, damage to management expenditure, damage cost to management, actually decline over time in wealthier nations who have the opportunity and the capacity to invest early. So like anything, you know, prevention is better than the cure. And in this case, it's much, much, much uh, more cost efficient in the long run is if you hit them hard, fast, and try to prevent those invasions from occurring. Yes, you can try to deal with it later, but the chances of actually eradicating things once they're established is pretty low. And their, their damages just sort of blossom. Um, I, I would even say it's a nuclear bomb kind of mushrooming effect. So if you can get in early, and that's another reason why good biosecurity right up front, while inconvenient, is going to cost everyone a lot, lot less in the long run. So though biosecurity measures may have an economic cost, they prevent worse pain down the road. But one weakness that Bradshaw sees in the current biosecurity system is that the measures are primarily taken by importing countries. Millennius Wilhelmsen's chief executive said it should have been car makers in exporting countries that ensured that vehicles shipped to Australia were cleaned before being loaded on vessels. That resonated with Bradshaw. Uh, there's not a lot of biosecurity at the, at the loading part uh, uh, in the ports in, in a lot of the source countries. And yes, you, you get species that die off during the journey, but a lot of them that persist, and those are the, usually the nasty ones. And, and so cleaning up the mess, if you will, at the end is very inefficient. So having a much better international 
relationship with trade and biosecurity agencies is one way to make that more efficient, less costly, and lower the risk of invasion. Here's more on the environment and the business of the ocean. The Sea Cargo Charter, an initiative by charters of ships to benchmark their performance against decarbonization targets, has a new leader. Rasmus Bach Nielsen, head of fuel decarbonization at trading giant Trafigura, has been named chairman. Read about it at tradewindsnews.com. The Green Seas newsletter explored the case of the tanker Pablo, which suffered an explosion off Malaysia. Voices in shipping have been warning for months about the risk of an oil spill from the fleet of tankers trading in the shadows following sanctions against Russia, and it appears such a spill may have happened after oil emerged on the coast of Indonesia. But fortunately, the worst has been averted because the Pablo had no cargo. But experts say the explosion that crippled the tanker is a warning call. Sign up for the newsletter at tinyurl.com slash greenseas. Wilson Sons, a Brazilian tug and terminal operator, has cut its greenhouse gas intensity in 2022, though it's still higher than two years earlier. The Sao Paulo-listed tug and terminal operator reported just over 63,900 tons of combined Scope 1 and Scope 2 CO2 equivalent emissions last year. That's a 4.8% dip from the greenhouse gas footprint in 2021, according to a just-released sustainability report. Music for this episode is by Ashat Danielian on Pixabay. 